Good Oral Health is about more than just brushing and flossing your teeth. Dental disease is 100% preventable, and it starts at home with you. Yep, you heard me right. Cavities are a disease and not something our children should just get. Your mouth is a window into your body, and it has an effect on your speech, breathing, chewing, heart health, so much more, and we're not listening to it. Come along with me on this journey, and I'll give you a whole new perspective of the importance of taking care of your mouth and the long-term effects it has not only on your oral health, but also your overall systemic health. On this podcast, we'll bring you a mixture of professionals, experts in the field that will give you advice and action steps you can take with your kids in different situations. We're also going to have moms, dads, caregivers, just like you, having the same struggles that you are, because together we can make a difference and help keep our kids healthy. Because a healthy mouth is a healthy body and a healthy life. And it all starts with you. Welcome back to the Healthy Mouth Movement Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about six things we need to survive and thrive. Last week, we talked about how breathing affects everything in our entire life. We begin and end with a breath. Yet there are other very basic needs that we need to survive in order to live a long, healthy life. Without them, we can't even think about anything else. So what are these needs? Well, we need to go back to the beginning, starting with birth again. When we're born, most babies take their first breath, cry, and are cleaned of the moisturizing protective barrier that's also antimicrobial called the vernix caseosa. Most animals lick this protective barrier off their babies at birth, but humans need to have this cleaned off. Once we're cleaned, we're given to our moms for skin-to-skin contact and nutrients, usually nursing or breastfeeding, sometimes with a bottle. Then we go to sleep. And all this is done with a roof over our head. So we don't have to worry about other animals coming in. And we don't have to have that survival instinct catch in. As long as we're lucky, we have a shelter over our head when all of the birthing thing happens. We will need these things to sustain the health of the one body we have for the remainder of our life. Most of us get those basic needs provided by our parents until we're old enough to fend for ourselves. We all strive to live a happy, fulfilled life. We are taught at a young age, we need to learn a skill, get a job, work hard to then provide these basic needs to ourselves and our own family. The world teaches us we should focus on money and wealth in order to be happy. So money buys happiness, right? It's all over the internet. How to make money, get rich, have more time with your family. Here's the thing. You can live without money and wealth, but you can't live without these simple, basic things And if you don't have your health, without your health, nothing else really matters. If you're sick, you will spend your time and your wealth on ways to get your health back. We can't do much without our health. So why do we feel caring for our bodies and putting ourselves first is selfish? I don't know about you, but I suffer from mom guilt. If I want to do something for me before my family, I, I do feel like I'm being selfish. I put a whole lot of thought into it before I make a decision. And a lot of times when it comes to me or my health, I will put it off until I don't have a choice. Why do we do that? Why do we not put our health first? Why do we feel taking care of our body is too expensive? It takes too much time or it's not a priority. I can't answer this question for you. And I only answered this question for myself after I laid in bed for six weeks while my friends and family took care of me because I couldn't take care of myself. I thought to myself, why did I put myself off? Why didn't I have these things checked out? Why did I just chuck that up to I'm just getting old or I'm trying to do too much? I had cancer because of the choices I made, because of what I put into my body, because of the thoughts that I was holding on to in the past and repeating old habits that weren't healthy for me. 
I didn't know any better. I was not intentional about anything when it came to the needs of the body that I'm in. In fact, I didn't even give much thought to what I was doing to the body that I was in. I didn't ask good questions. I just did what I was taught, what the others around me were doing, what was normal, what I knew was normal. I never questioned the decisions that I made when it came to foods that I ate or the products that I used and put on my body. I had no idea that the deodorant I was using had aluminum in it. So until I worked with a doctor that checks the cause and knew how much aluminum and mercury and heavy metals that I had in my system, I had no idea that this was affecting what was going on in my body and my health. And I also didn't know that your body keeps score with every choice that you make, with every thought that you hold in. All of this stuff for me added up to sickness. And for you, the choices you make either add up to sickness and inflammation or they add up to keeping your body healthy. So now that I know to make better choices, that's what I do. And now I ask more questions. And I'm not perfect. No one ever will be. I definitely never will be. After all, we're human. What does it mean to be human? Humans make mistakes. But what if we put our health first from the beginning? There's so much information out there that it makes your head spin. Trust me, I've gone down a rabbit hole this past couple of years since finding out I had breast cancer. The more I know, the more I know I don't know. But we all have to start somewhere. So. I'm choosing to share my story and my journey. I feel like I've learned so much over the past two years. It would be selfish for me to keep all of this to myself. All the things that I'm telling you might not be right for you. You can take the parts that are and you can get rid of what doesn't resonate with you that I'm saying. But we all make choices every minute of every day. Some good, some not so good. And we do the best with the information that we have at the time. I've had a lot of information come to me. I've had a lot of people that have helped. I've also had a lot of information that I didn't take into advice because I didn't feel it was right for me. What I did not have was how all the information I was getting fit together. So my goal is to share how this information fits together, how the puzzle pieces I learned help us. And what I have learned is that it all starts at the beginning with the basic needs, the six things we need as humans to survive and thrive. And I'm going to get into that and break them down. Oxygen, water, nutrition, sleep, and shelter. Those are five things that we absolutely need or we can't go beyond that. So let's start with the number one thing we need, which is oxygen. We need it to breathe. No one can live without oxygen or without being able to breathe. Abraham Maslow was a psychiatrist who studied basic needs and he found that all humans have five levels of needs that need to be satisfied and he called them self-fulfilled needs of hierarchy. He started with physical survival needs, which are the ones that I'm going to talk to today. The truth is we have these five basic needs that every one of us needs. And again, it's oxygen, water, nutrition, sleep, and shelter. The first and most basic needs have to do with physical survival. We need those five things to survive. A person cannot satisfy these basic needs of survival. It dominates their thoughts. A person who is cold, hungry, sleep-deprived, or sick will not be very interested in learning or working or doing much of anything else except for meeting those needs, being getting warm, finding shelter, getting some sleep, and getting some food because they in, are in survival mode. And this is what's called fight or flight. When you're in fight or flight, all you want to do is survive. And you go back to those basic things that you need for survival. So again, oxygen, we cannot survive without oxygen. Brain damage begins only four minutes without oxygen and permanent death can occur as soon as six minutes without oxygen. Between 30 and 180 seconds of oxygen deprivation 
we might lose consciousness. So someone is choking and they can't get that out. That's why a lot of times they pass out because they're not able to breathe if something is blocking their airway. At the one minute mark, brain cells begin dying. At three minutes, neurons suffer more extensive damage and lasting brain damage becomes more likely. At six minutes, death becomes imminent. The longest any human has ever gone without breathing took place in 2012 when a Danish free diver, Sig Severinsen, held his breath underwater for 22 minutes. He cheated death by breathing in pure oxygen for about 20 minutes beforehand, which saturated his body in oxygen so he could continue to keep his brain functioning while he was underwater. He trained to do this. So don't try this at home. Once we have enough oxygen and we can breathe, water is the second thing that we need. Drinking water does more than just quench our thirst. It's essential to keeping our body functioning properly and feeling healthy. Nearly all our body's major symptoms depend on water to function and thrive. Water is important for every cell in our body to function properly. Our digestive system functions better with adequate hydration, preventing constipation. Water also helps flush toxin from our body, promoting good kidney function, keeping our joints and muscles lubricated. It supports healthy, younger-looking skin, and it also regulates our body temperature. Water makes up 45 to 75% of the human body. The amount of water a body needs changes with age, sex, and hydration levels. Everybody will lose 8 to 12 cups of water through breathing, perspiring, urination, and bowel movements. That's why we always hear we need to drink 8 to 10 cups of water a day because we need to replace the water that we lose every day. People who are more muscular have more body water because muscles and cells tend to retain more water. The more fat in the body, the less water you need. Water is found in three locations. Water in our cells is almost two-thirds of water. The spaces between our cells called the extracellular space and in our blood. Experts don't recommend plain water for infants before the age of six months old. That's why usually we nurse or drink formula. Children over 12 months of age are encouraged to drink water. The CDC recommends that if infants over six months of age need additional fluid on hot days, they can actually consume water. However, their primary form of fluid and calories should be breast milk or formula. Before the Industrial Revolution, infants nursed until they were three to five years old. An adult person can survive without water for about three days. A practical way to monitor hydration is by observing the color of your urine right after you wake up in the morning. If you have a darker colored urine about the color of apple juice, it indicates that you might be dehydrated. That's why it's important to replenish your body's water system. Developing healthy water habits is hard. You should be able to meet your fluid intake by drinking water, milk, or 100% juice, decaffeinated teas, or even eating soup is also an option. Fruits and vegetables also contain a fair amount of water. So helping your body function better and improving your oral health by eating and getting enough water. Water flushes body waste, maintaining blood pressure. It helps open your airway. It prevents kidney damage, and it also helps you form saliva and mucus. Saliva helps us digest our food and keeps the mouth, nose, and eyes moist. This prevents friction and damage. Drinking water instead of sweetened beverages also helps balance the pH, which can in turn reduce tooth decay. Nutrition. As an adult, we can survive for three weeks without food. For the human body to remain alive, it needs energy, which we get from feeling our bodies. Cellular respiration 
is a metabolic process where cells get energy by reacting oxygen with glucose to produce carbon dioxide, water, and energy. How efficiently energy from restoration converts into physical mechanical power depends on the foods we eat, the type of physical energy we have, and whether or not the muscles used are anaerobic or aerobic, and whether the muscles are used anaerobically or aerobically. In other words, we need calories to fuel bodily functions like breathing and thinking. We also need mechanical energy for our skeletal muscles to maintain posture and be able to move around. Around 20% of our energy we take in with foods is used for brain metabolism. Most of the rest is used in basal metabolism. The energy we need in a resting state in order for our blood to circulate, to digest, and to breathe. In a cold environment, we need more energy to maintain a constant body temperature. So our metabolism increases to produce more heat. In a warm environment, we need less energy. The type and amount of food we eat determines how many calories we are going to need to consume. For many people on a weight loss diet, the number of calories in food is a deciding factor in choosing whether or not we should eat it. How and what we eat can also make a difference for our body's energy, and it can be different throughout the day. Our body's energy will depend on how active we are and how efficiently our body uses the energy depending on our age. According to Dietary Guidelines for Americans from 2015 to 2020, women are likely to need between 1,600 and 2,400 calories. Again, it depends on your age, size, height, overall lifestyle, overall health, and activity level. Sunlight is also a very important source of vitamin D. It helps our body absorb more calcium for bone health. It triggers the release of serotonin, which regulates our sleep, mood, and appetite, which leads us to sleep. Sleep is essential for building memory skills, feeling more alert, and repairing our body. Recent studies also suggest both insufficient and excessive sleep can affect memory and cognitive processes. A good night's rest not only promotes good physical health, it enables our brain to function properly. So getting the recommended amount of sleep each night is key to our memories and our overall health. And it's usually about seven to 10 hours of sleep in general, but it will vary depending on our age. While we might not think about why we sleep, most of us recognize that sleep makes us feel better. We feel more alert, more energetic, happier, and we're able to function better if we have a good night's sleep. However, the fact that sleep makes us feel better and makes us feel worse if we go without sleep is only the beginning of why sleep is necessary. One way to think about the function of sleep is to compare it to other life-sustaining activities like eating and breathing. Hunger is the protective mechanism that has evolved to ensure that we consume enough nutrients for our body in order to grow, repair tissues, and function properly. Although it's relatively easy to guess the, the role of what eating does, given that it involves physically consuming it in order for our bodies to be better, eating and sleeping are not as different as they might sleep. Breathing, eating, and sleeping all regulate our internal drives. Going without food produces an uncomfortable sensation of hunger, while arousals and going out with sleep make us feel overwhelmingly sleepy. And just as eating relieves hunger and ensures that we maintain the nutrients we need for our body, sleeping relieves sleepiness and ensures that our body can repair itself while we're sleeping. But the question still remains, why do we need sleep at all? Is there a single primary function for sleep? 
or does it serve many functions? The relationship between sleep and overall health is well documented. Sleep allows the body and the brain to recover during night. A good night's rest ensures you'll be refreshed and alert when you wake up in the morning. Sleep deficiency not only leaves us feeling tired, it increases our risk of overall health problems, which include Alzheimer's, obesity, heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, and stroke. Studies suggest up to 19% of U.S. adults don't get enough sleep on a regular basis. The lack of sleep impairs your judgment and can also make you delirious. The lack of sleep can also pose a threat to your physical safety because sleep plays a vital role in our mental and physical well-being. Different stages that occur during sleep help to promote healthy brain activity and maintain good overall health. For children and teenagers, sleep is key for proper growth and development. Sleep deficiency can interfere with these bodily processes. The term sleep deficiency refers to the inability to get enough high-quality sleep at night. This may occur due to sleep deprivation, sleep apnea, or sleep just not getting enough sleep. There are many other underlying reasons. You could have sleep disorder breathing. You could have disruption in your circadian rhythm. Lack of sleep means the body has less time to recover during at night. It can also lower your body's defense against diseases and create more inflammation in the body. The effects of sleep deprivation on your physical health include obesity. Your body produces and regulates hormones during sleep, heart problems, because blood pressure is generally reduced during our sleep, which is why it's probably best to take blood pressure medications when you go to sleep instead of when you wake up. Insulin management is another thing because it regulates blood sugar levels. Sleep deprivation or poor quality sleep actually reacts to insulin, which can in turn put you at higher risk for diabetes. Immune health, not getting enough sleep can affect your T cells and how the immune system responds to various viruses and infections. Long-term reduction in sleep can also lead to many chronic medical conditions. Cognitive performance, because a good night's sleep can improve the ability to concentrate, be creative, learn new skills. People who don't get enough rest have a hard time paying attention and lack focus. Memory is also important in the sleep stages. During the non-rapid eye movement stage of your sleep cycle, your brain begins to organize and consolidate memories. As a result, not getting enough sleep impairs your ability to remember important details. Sleep also can affect your mood. People who don't get enough sleep have a hard time controlling their emotions. They make poor decisions and their coping skills are harder in daily life. Sleep deficiency can also lead to mental health issues like depression. Growth and development for children and adolescents is important because deep sleep triggers the release of hormones and promotes growth and it increases muscle mass, especially during puberty. It regulates puberty, your fertility cycle, and it repairs your cells and your tissues. Children who don't get enough sleep generally feel angry, sad, struggle at school, have a hard time engaging in positive ways with their peers. Safety is another thing that happens because sleep deficiency can reduce your reaction time and lead to a higher risk of you getting into an accident. The amount of sleep we need, again, changes with age. We talked about this earlier. Sleep apnea is characterized by a temporary cessation of the airway during sleep that causes people to gasp or choke. Teeth grinding, heavy snoring, excessive daytime sleepiness are also common symptoms of sleep apnea. Millions of people across the globe live with sleep apnea, also known as OSA. It's a disorder that occurs from a physical blockage that impedes the airway, and it has also been linked to chronic depression. After only three or four nights without sleep, 
you can start to hallucinate. Sleep and memory share a complex relationship. Getting enough sleep helps you process new information once you wake up. And sleeping and learning can consolidate your memories and information, allowing you to store them in your brain. Not sleeping, not getting enough sleep can lower your learning abilities by as much as 40%. During the non-REM stages, your brain sorts through various memories from the previous day, filtering out the important memories and eliminating other information. These selected memories become more concrete in your deep REM sleep. This is a process that occurs during the REM sleep as well. Emotional memories can be processed in this REM stage, and it can help you cope with difficult experiences. When you're tired, you're less likely to be able to cope with things. Although it's unclear exactly how long humans can survive without sleep, it isn't long before you start to show sleep deprivation. The longest record time of someone going without sleep is 264 hours or 11 consecutive days. I don't recommend that. So with all of these things, I'm hoping you can see that our survival needs trump anything else. However, there are still a few other things that are important for our overall health and happiness. So once our survival needs are met, we go to our physical safety needs, and that's where shelter comes in and clothing. Once the physical survival needs are met, a new set of needs emerge. The physical survival needs always exist, but having them satisfied a person only becomes aware when they get to the next level of human needs. Once the physical survival needs are met, a new set of needs emerge. The physical survival needs will always exist, but having these needs satisfied regularly, a person then can become aware of the next level of human needs, which is to feel safe from danger and threats. Besides protecting you against the elements of Mother Nature, raging mood swings, shelter shields you against criminal and animal attacks. Being deprived of this results in fear. When a person is fearful, all concentration goes to calming the fear without any thoughts of anything else. Some people might argue you can survive indefinitely without clothes. Your short-term survival is affected by clothing during extreme weather. Longevity and long-term survival are affected by a lot more, but without clothes and shelter, you might be at a higher risk for infections, burns, skin cancer. Once the physical survival and safety needs are being regularly met, a need for love, affection, and belonging begin to emerge. This is level three in Maslow's pyramid. In fact, a human beings are social and we need relationships from others. Maslow states a person will hunger for affectionate relationships with people in a general place or within a group. People deprived of this will seem bored or joyless, even if they're doing well in all of their chosen tasks. They have a feeling of loneliness, pain, sadness, separation, and unworthiness. So these are things that we need beyond our basic needs of survival. Generally, people in our society have a need to feel heard, valued, and to count for something. This is called the need for esteem. This is a degree of self-respect and respect from others. Self-respect includes a need for confidence, achievement, independence, and freedom. Respect from others includes recognition, attention, appreciation. These are the basic desires of most human beings. If our first four needs are being met, a new one will probably develop, and that's the need for self-fulfillment. This has become more physical, social, emotional, and spiritual. Among the characters of self-fulfilled people are the awareness of living complete joyfulness, unforgettable moments with periods of joy and understanding. We don't worry about fulfilling these needs until our needs for survival are met. It's believed that a positive attitude is one of the factors that might help combat disease, protect you from physical harm, 
and both self-inflicted and by others. It is proven that attitude is a big part of increasing your chance of survival. So where do you think you are on Maslow's chart? I think many of us have our basic needs met until we get sick or our health is challenged. Most of us are getting a say in what happens to our body and we're left to deal with the consequences of the choices that we make. If we're running on a hamster wheel and we never get off, we want to live our life healthier. We want to start living more intentionally. We want to think about how our choices affect us long-term. With COVID, a lot of people realized that they didn't need to keep up with the Joneses to be happy. They started going back to the basics and making sure that their needs were met. Having to be off of work for 12 weeks, I definitely appreciated more of what I had and didn't worry about what I didn't. I started wondering, do I really need to go to work and do all the things that I was doing? And I think many people did. And that's why a lot of people didn't go back to work, especially a lot of hygienists, because they realized that they could stay home with their families. I realized that putting my family and my health was the thing that I needed to do first before my job. And before COVID happened, I put my job above everything else because I felt like I needed to work to have the things that we wanted and needed. And then once I was off for those 12 weeks, I realized that we didn't need that stuff. We already had everything that we needed. All I needed to do was be able to put food on the table and a roof over our head and we needed to breathe. So that's when I started doing myofunctional therapy, realizing that both my daughter and myself were having breathing and sleeping issues. And that's where I went to the basics. That's when I realized that I didn't need to have more clothes. I had enough clothes. We had enough stuff. I didn't need more decorations, even though I love decorations and decorating for the seasons. I didn't need to go buy more. So that's where the needs of hierarchy come in. So once I got my health back and I realized that we had everything that we could possibly need already, now I started working on self-fulfillment and how I can help others with what I have learned through all of this. And I also think that more and more people are open to this. And we learned more. We learned about more about ourselves. We learned that our families were more important to us than going to work. And I think that's why it's changed. And that's why people were happier staying at home. People are more productive not being in the car for an hour to three hours. And they realized that that was consuming a lot of their time. So while COVID did help us see the world a lot differently, It also helped us see what we did have and be grateful for what we had. So let me know what you think about this, if this was helpful and what happened and if your viewpoint changed during COVID. Because we definitely know that meeting these needs and taking ownership of your health are what's going to help you live a better life. And it is not selfish to put your needs first with oxygen, water, nutrition, enough sleep, and respecting the one body that we're in. And it all starts from the head down, from your attitude and mindset, from how you breathe to what you put in your mouth, and then it affects your gut and the rest of your body. And if you're not healthy, you can't do anything else. When I had breast cancer and I had that surgery and I was laying in bed, I didn't care about anything except for being healthy. And I also learned that it all starts with our mouth. And I've been doing this for over 30 years. And I look at my mouth a totally different way now. I look at what I put in my mouth a totally different way. I read labels a lot more. And even though it says that it's healthy, it doesn't mean that it is. And even though it's approved on my aunt for cancer, it doesn't mean that my body is actually going to like the food that I'm putting in. So I am way more intentional now about how I spend my money, 
about what I buy, about the foods that I put in my body, about the products that I put in my body. And now I think about my body and being healthy first, because if I'm not healthy, I can't take care of anyone else in my life. I can't go to work. I can't go grocery shopping. I can't do anything fun. That's what I learned through my cancer journey. And I also learned that a healthy mouth is a healthy body and a happy, healthy life. As always, I hope this was helpful. Thanks for listening and share this with anyone you think could benefit from this information. Have a great day. Thank you for listening today. If something you heard made you smile, made you think, empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure you share this with a friend. Write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook page, Dental Hygiene 411, or hit the link in the show notes to join a conversation. Until next time, breathe through your nose and share a smile. After all, they're contagious.